Hi guys, and welcome to the show today. I am so honored to have Sarah Noked as our guest here to talk all about the process of hiring an OBM in your business. For those of you that don't know, I started in this space first working as a virtual assistant, and then pretty quickly realizing that my sweet spot would be in the area of an online business manager. And so I was fortunate enough to take a training program with Sarah and really stay connected and have her mentorship through this journey, which has been so powerful. And I'm eternally grateful for her help in building this business that I love so much. In this episode, we talk about so many things, including who would benefit from an OBM and who isn't ready, her top tips for finding the right OBM for you and your business. Sarah also has a challenge to help you move forward, whether you're looking to hire an OBM or whether you're thinking about making a transition or a change in your life or your business. We also share Sarah's secret smoothie ingredient that she teased us with on YouTube. And also, of course, we talk about the watermelon fields in Israel, because what would an episode be if we weren't talking about watermelon? For those of you who haven't met Sarah, she is a founder of Sarah Noket OBM. Her mission is simple, to empower online entrepreneurs and online service providers to build thriving, profitable businesses with the help of streamlined systems, marketing automation, and a winning team. She's a leading authority and educator sharing valuable resources and programs that support and train online service professionals with actionable tools to leverage their skills and translate their talents into profitable and meaningful businesses. To date, Sarah has trained thousands of aspiring online business managers and provided them with a proven framework to transition into the online service industry confidently, effectively, and successfully. You guys won't want to miss the show notes on this one. Sarah has a templated SOP that she gives away for free. She has some great resources for anyone who might be interested in OBM school. And we're also going to link the directory. And so if you're interested in hiring an OBM, it's a great place to find people that have some incredible training. I'm so grateful to you for listening. And now on to the show. Sarah, I have been looking so forward to this conversation. Any day I get to hang out with you is always a good day. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Julie. I have been waiting for a very long time for you to start this podcast. So it's really an honor and a privilege to be able to be speaking to you here because I'm just, I love chatting with you as well. Oh, I would love it if you would share for people who might not be familiar with you and what you do, what it is that you do in the online space. Yeah, totally. So I am the founder and CEO of OBM School. And OBM School is a school for people to learn how to be online business managers. And it has been a passion project. I have been working with online business managers pretty much for the last five or six years training. And before that, I myself was an online business manager and I ran and scaled an agency. So I've been in the online space for more than a decade, (laughs) uh, which is crazy because I remember it like yesterday sitting in my corporate desk and being like, is there actually gold on the other side of this rainbow? And can I actually make this work? Do I have what it takes? And it wasn't an easy trip. I mean, it did take me a couple of years to transition out of corporate, but you know, there's no looking back. And I'm just, I feel really lucky for where I am, but I also know that I put in a lot of hard work to get here. So I try to remind myself and sort of bask in the, in the goodness of, you know, this feeling of six of success in helping women and some men, but mostly women 
be able to break out of the corporate grind and have the flexibility to be mothers and caregivers and just kind of like live normal lives and not be stuck in some not so great nine to five, or in my case, it was a nine to six with a 40 minute commute. <laughs> it's really the dream. I'm leaving a half day today because my son's mm. school is having a celebration. And so it wasn't, I didn't even have to ask anybody. I could just say, yep, block out my calendar. Off I go. Yeah. That's the best. It really is. And as somebody who has trained with you, you are how I became uh, familiar and trained to be in this OBM space. I just can't express enough your heart for OBMs and what you do. You really give give your all to the- Don't make me start crying. I'm going to be like <laughs> sobbing on this podcast. <laughs> you know, Julie, you've always, you've always stood out to me as somebody who- just is so empathetic and so smart and just so driven to make this work. And I like, I know we spoke about this the other day, but I literally have this picture in my mind of you in your car and us having this conversation about your journey and where you were going. And it just, it's just so imprinted in my mind and it feels like yesterday, but it was like, what, three years ago, four years ago, like how long ago was that? Man. Had to be more than three. It was way more than three, right? I mean, I I was like, oh my God, could it have been three or four (laughs) years? Yeah, it was a long time ago. And it's exactly those moments and the impact that I am I feel privileged to be able to have this impact on people. I don't I don't take it lightly. And I I I feel like what I'm doing is a service to women who otherwise would feel that they didn't necessarily have an alternative. Now you knew there was an alternative, that's for sure, but it's just a fantastic online space. And I I feel really lucky to be living in the times we live in. I really, I talk about that all the time, how I know for my mom, for example, she is so smart and we were latchkey, you know, because she had to be at work. My brother, who was in kindergarten, had to walk himself to school. And I know that wouldn't have been her first choice. And if this had been an option, then I have no doubt that she would have figured something out and made it work. So I feel really, really lucky. Even when some days the technology fails or glitches, I just am always so cognizant of the blessing of what we're able to do and how we're able to have these businesses and still have the life and the lifestyle that we want. Mm-hmm. My, I, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom and I was like, oh, I want to give my kids that same feeling of always mom always being home. We would come home from lunch from school and mom would be there. And But in today's reality, you know, you just can't have that. So I think it's really important to have flexibility as, as women. I think it's so, as mothers too, it's just really critical. You know, you being able to leave today because your son has something like, what a blessing. How amazing is that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Absolutely not. Even some days when you wake up and you just want to burn the whole thing down, <laughs> you know, yeah. you pretty quickly are like, but that was okay. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep riding the waves and realizing it's really good. Yeah, it is really good. Well, let's speak to business owners who are at the point in the business where it might not be feeling really good anymore. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they're thinking, do I need an OBM? Can you tell us from your point of view, what is it that an OBM does? Absolutely. 
So an online business manager is really comes into a business when they are ready to scale. They are ready to step away from being the probably the wearer of way too many hats in their business. And generally speaking, an OBM works with micro small businesses with very small teams. And we come in there and we just basically our job is to take things off the client's plate and delegate them, manage them, QA them, quality assure that things are getting done and just ensure that we are clear about the strategy and the vision and the goals that the client has so that we can then go on to really help this client scale their business. And I find that with these types of clients and you know for those listening you might be feeling like this yourself you're still doing all the all the things in your business maybe you have a virtual assistant or somebody assisting you with the implementation piece but you're still managing all the things and it's taking you away from doing some of the more critical and likely closer to revenue type activities such as sales conversations or getting on a podcast like this one, or being able to write a book or creating that course, those types of things, those types of activities that only the person who is the CEO founder can really do in their business. So in bringing on an OBM, you're looking for somebody who can really take on that management role, that leadership role in the team, and to sort of guide the team and and lead them to success. And it's really an important job. But the thing that I want to mention here is that not all businesses require bringing on an OBM. A business that needs an OBM must have a proven business model. So they must have uh, something that they are doing in their business that is, you know, they can do it on repeat. It's not just like a one time they had this great sale of whatever, and they've never been able to recreate it. You know, there needs to be a proven business model. There also needs to be consistent revenue coming into the business. Now, obviously there are months that are better months that are worse, but the average of those months needs to be at least 10,000 us in revenue. That's the starting point. And the entrepreneur needs to really have a mindset for delegation. So I find that there's a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs in our space that, well, they would benefit from working with an OBM. They're still very much guarding all the, like a dog with a bone, all of the <laughs> yes. small bits and pieces in their business. And they're not really ready. They're, maybe they're not ready to give or relinquish that control. That's not exactly a great place to hire an OBM if you feel like you're still the only one who can do all the things in your business. But if you've gotten over that or you've realized that, okay, well, maybe uh, someone else can come in and do it better, then hiring an online business manager can really expedite your growth, your scalability, and basically give you back your life. Because if there's one thing that I've seen my clients have is the transformation of like, oh, now I can, and you say this a lot on your website, like, uh, like getting back to that business that you really loved to begin with, you know, and having, you know, well, you created this business. Why are, why aren't you in love with it? Like you were before? Oh, because you have 8,000 million things on your plate that maybe aren't in your zone of genius and you're not a great delegator. And with all the love in my heart, I find that sometimes these entrepreneurs are very, very successful because they have uh, a serious vision and mission in their business, but they don't care about the team building aspect and they don't care about project management. So it's a very hot mess on the back end. And an OBM can really get in there, sink their teeth into team and systems and operations and management and just make it a much more enjoyable space to exist in. 
I love that. And I wonder if you experience this as well, but a lot of times when I speak to clients or start working with them, their response is a lot of embarrassment. They might come in with some shame that you're going to get in here and you're going to see this and you're going to judge me. And this is such a mess. And I never have those feelings. (laughs) I'm always just so impressed that people can take their brain and their computer and build these incredible businesses. And I'm just there to help shore up the foundation. So I wonder if you have things that you would tell to your clients or to the students that you work with when you come into businesses and entrepreneurs are generally nervous and scared bringing somebody in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think that that is such a valid point to make. And you know, the funny thing is, this is sort of sneaky, but I've actually had clients lie in sales calls about what their business is like. And then, you know, and then maybe you sign on for a retainer and you get in there and you're like, wait a second here. You really didn't tell me about this. And they're like, I know, <laughs> you know, cause they're so embarrassed, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I find that people, entrepreneurs, especially, especially creative entrepreneurs, they just don't have the bandwidth to be putzing around in a project management tool. And I, I'm the first one to come out and be like, look, this is like a no- judgment-free zone. Like I, have a business because of clients like you. So don't feel embarrassed about this. It's actually beneficial to my life. (laughs) And also I find a lot of the students that we work with in OBM school are just, they're very good at managing projects and being organized and helping a client plan out things. Like that's our zone of genius. You know, I don't, I don't think everybody should be, is the same or should be the same. And I find a lot of our students don't really accentuate that part of themselves because it comes so naturally. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we talk a lot about, about mindset. And I know, you know, you, I know, you know, your mindset, but I find a lot of the times people like have this mindset around, well, it comes naturally. So I'm not going to charge for it. But on the flip side, you have all of these clients that are like desperate, not desperate. And some of them don't even know, but they're just in such a need of this sort of amazing service that our OBMs, it really comes naturally. The whole management, a lot of us are coming from that corporate background where we've worked with teams, we've hired, we've fired, we've, we've done a lot of this stuff already naturally. So it's just a yin and a yang. And I think it's a, it's a really wonderful thing. And we'll talk about this later, but one of the things that when people approach me and say, you know, I have this skill set, do you think I should continue on to do a certification or a training for OBM? And there's lots of benefits to that. And and we'll talk about those. But one that I selfishly for me find is that being part of a community, you really get to take advantage of that hive mind. You, first of all, you feel like home because you can just nerd out with all the other OBMs on updates to project management tools and really cool spreadsheets that somebody made. <laughs> I know, I know. Or color coding things. Yes. Oh my God, look at this beautiful color coded spreadsheet. I mean, Toby, like on my team, my OBM, we're always like, I'm always like gushing, like, oh my God, you're so amazing. You created the most beautiful spreadsheet ever. <laughs> I go in and I have not only color coded, but added a custom emojis to my Google drive file. And every oh time I go in there, God. it just makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, there that's, that's not normal, but also a zone of genius of yours. You know? <laughs> that's cute. You'll have to show me how to do that. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, that's like the smartest thing ever. Cause you know, you need to put a smile on your face when you're working at home and you know, you haven't talked to somebody in a few days, <laughs> right. except for your kids and dog and maybe your husband. I don't know. Yes. 
I do end up usually with a lot of Voxer, but I like to communicate that way. And so I feel like if I don't have any other adult conversation, I've talked on Voxer. Exactly. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Amen to that. So for somebody who hasn't worked with an OBM before, would you give us some examples of what a day in the life of an OBM might look like Mm -hmm. behind the scenes of a business? So somebody can kind of picture for themselves. If I brought somebody on, what kind of things are they going to do day to day? That's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. So typically, and and how we train our students is to start with that breakthrough strategy session. So from the get-go, we have our online business managers really helping the client to get clear on their goals for, let's say, the next quarter. And once you're really clear about goals and where you're going and what are the projects that need to happen, then it becomes really easy or really clear to both the client and the OBM what needs to happen next. So let's say somebody is launching a membership or they are they are in need of bringing on a virtual assistant or they have their operations or like what we were talking about before, like their, their project management tool is either non-existent, which is fine and that common. does happen, yeah. very common, or they have, you know, just maybe... Google sheets of task lists and stuff like that. So an OBM is going to come into your business and they are going to take a very unique and custom approach to how they facilitate the things that happen next. So depending on where you're at in your business, an OBM will generally consider your goals and will also consider perhaps where you are maybe not being as efficient as you could be. So there might be a tool that could be better used or a system that could be streamlined or a team member that might be doing one thing but would be better off doing something else. So a lot of the beginning steps that an OBM will take are more auditing, you know, auditing the different systems, taking a look at the back end. And once that's done, we can move on to the planning. So when it comes to like a typical day in the life, it's usually project management. I feel like that's always what happens. So you're either managing the day-to-day operations for that client. So you might be checking in with team members, setting agendas and having calls with the various team members, checking in on project milestones, making sure things are going along because that project management and operations management is a big part of what we do. There might be certain systems that need to be set up or streamlined. So you have that sort of systems piece. If we're launching in, let's say two months from now, we're baking out a whole launch project, running that by the client. Do we need to leverage other resources, like perhaps hiring on somebody else? And it's a lot of talking about strategy with the client and planning things out and helping the client also. You know, I feel like a lot of the the things I I love about being OBM is being that sounding board for your client and being able to help them get clarity and then baking out the plan and then bringing that plan to life and bringing the strategy to life and just taking that whole piece. So we do different things for different clients, but it all really comes down to project operations, team systems, and then metrics and marketing. And that's really what it looks like to be an online business manager. And we're bringing in different components based on really what the client needs. So it's a very custom approach, but it really, really hinges on management and less on implementation. So I always advise my students as well as people looking to hire online business managers, you know, you really do want to hire a virtual assistant first. And for those clients who are like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start when it comes to hiring a virtual assistant, that's totally fine. And I get that. We as OBMs do that 
all the time. I mean, I think I've probably hired hundreds in my day. <laughs> yeah. You know, even in my own business, I think I've had 10 or 15 OBMs, you know, in the last decade that I all love and have seen go on to do many wonderful things in life. But I think it's really important if you are that kind of entrepreneur where you're just not interested in hiring yourself, then that's a great place to bring on an OBM. Have that conversation around where are you going? What is your vision? What are your goals? What are we what are we looking at for the next quarter? And, and allowing and really being that delegator, handing it off to your OBM to be like, here's what I want this to look like. Now make it happen. And that's like where we're like, we get giddy. We're like, woohoo, you know, let's go and like make it happen. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of amazing things that OBMs do and our day in the life. I mean, it can look really different if you are launching, like right now we're in launch mode. So, so things on Toby's plate and my plate as, you know, us kind of straddling the OBM role is different than what it looks like normally when we're just managing the day-to-day delivery of our programs and our marketing efforts and stuff like that. It looks very different day-to-day than when we're in launch mode. For sure. And I think typically in my experience, it looks different in the first couple months when you're working with somebody than afterwards, because I'll tell people sometimes it's like when you're going to go organize your closet and you have to take everything out first and look at it and see if you want it. And, you know, sometimes if they have team and hold it and see, does this <laughs> still spark meaning in my heart? Yes. And if it doesn't let it go. Yes. Let lots of stuff go rearrange what the team is doing. Cause a lot of times you bring on one person and then next thing you know, your tech VA is answering customer service emails and your graphic designer is writing copy and, you know, unwinding some of that sometimes. So yeah. the first three months, I think for people can feel really messy sometimes. And they start to think, what have I done? <laughs> I've screwed myself. I, you know, I lovingly refer to that as growing pains, you know, and if you are scaling your business, it, it sometimes feels like, especially when it comes to team. I mean, I love, I know you love, I I know your sweet, sweet spot is hiring. I've known that about you for years and you are the queen of somehow magnetizing the most amazing people onto your client's <laughs> team. I find that, and I, I wonder how you feel about this, but I find that like what you were saying, like when you bring on a new team member, it definitely disrupts everything when you're, and this is the thing I tell people looking for OBMs, like bringing on an OBM is work. You can't just bring on an OBM and be like, okay, have fun. See you later. I'm going on, I'm going to Bali for three months. No, bringing on an OBM is, you know, the, the entrepreneur needing to have at least three to five hours extra every week to be having those strategic conversations, to be planning, answering questions, and also open-minded to the other sort of shifts that need to happen. Like you were saying, you know, the, the VA who was doing that suddenly now is answering client care. So it does, it is very disruptive, but then things like mellow out and then they get disrupted again and then they mellow out and then they get disrupted again. I think that's just like the natural growing pains of a business. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't all stay as solopreneurs. You know, some of us, I think maybe are meant to be solopreneurs, but others really who need to get their mission out and need to get their voice out there and what they're doing and share it with the world. You know, you can't be managing your projects and hanging around in your inbox all day. You have to be able to delegate that to somebody to get on with it. And I find also you were mentioning how clients get really embarrassed. 
I find also that clients are like, I don't have any systems in my business. And you're like, actually, you do have quite a lot of systems in your business. Just none of them are documented and none of them are streamlined. Yes. So there's also that piece and looking at some of these systems and and having that sort of like almost when you like look in the mirror and you have that like harsh reality of like, okay, wait a second. Like, yes, I've been onboarding clients like this my entire career, but yes, I see that it's probably not the best way of doing it. And just being open-minded to change because change is a really great thing. And, you know, human, your our human body, like, it's like trying to keep us in the same place, even though it's much better when we have someone helping us. So ultimately, yes, it is hard, especially the first three months. But I think once you pass that three-month mark, then you can really look at smoother sailing, And the ability to sort of stand on that solid foundation you've created and now be like, okay, now we have the solid foundation. Now we can launch that podcast. Now I can build that program. Now I can actually take that holiday, which is probably the first thing most of these clients should do. Yes, definitely should do. There's so much peace of mind from knowing that those things are now documented and running smoothly and they can, you know, they can go on vacation or somebody could leave the team unexpectedly or get sick, Mm -hmm. you know, in the times we're living and the whole house of cards won't collapse because one person has, they're the only one who knows how to do this certain set of tasks. Yeah. I think there's so much peace of mind knowing that like, you know, I, I used to, when I was a solopreneur, I remember going to bed at night and being like, having all of these things going through my mind, like, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do, you know, this and the other, and it never really ends. It's like, it goes on. It doesn't stop. Your brain doesn't shut off. And I think bringing an OBM on a team is real peace of mind for that entrepreneur that really is geared up and ready for an OBM. It's real peace of mind. That's the feedback that we really get, especially running our agency all those years. It's just like peace of mind knowing like, I'm not in this boat alone. And if I need to go overboard, at least you're here and you know how to steer and you know where we're going and you know what color the boat needs to be and all the things. Yeah. It's all going to keep happening. Yeah. So I think it would be a great time to talk about the range of pay for OBMs. And I think we can also include a conversation about if you're not quite ready, if you're not at that $10,000 a month mark, or, you know, you're on your way there, but you want to do some things to get prepared to bring an OBM on. There are other ways. A lot of times you can work with OBM. So can we talk about, um, what you're looking to invest in when you're hiring this position? Yeah, absolutely. So just to speak first to the rates. So online business managers typically start at around $50 an hour. I think that's pretty safe to say and can go up anywhere to $150 an hour. That was the OBM I spoke with yesterday that literally comes from corporate retail. Um, And she does, she works, she still works with the clients that she worked with when she was in corporate. She's like, they don't even, you know, they just, it is what it is. So I think that That's typically what it looks like with OBMs. And when it comes to clients who maybe aren't at that 10K mark and can't really afford to bring on a long-term OBM, there are tons of OBMs that work on project basis. We have a lot of OBMs in our community that focus on offering strategy sessions one-off or they can offer um, a team VIP session, which is what you do and which is fantastic. So helping somebody to figure out what it looks like to hire that VA and get those resources needed to bring on that right team member and possibly some standard operating procedures around the systems. But I think one of the things, and this is actually 
the, my favorite client to work with. I know it's not the client that I recommend, but it's definitely, it feels like you're doing a lot of good in the world by, you know, like the give a man a fish, teach a man to fish. It's like, give a man a system, teach a man the systems, you yes. know? And it's like, when we teach systems, like one of the things that even before I started training OBMs was I started training people on systems and team because I just felt like it is just such an important thing. So if you are that entrepreneur that is maybe making that like three to five in their business, and that's awesome. You know, you're making, you're making three to five K or three to 10 K you're, you're starting to make money. You're starting to get there. You're starting to really see the systems for what they are. It's time to really capture those systems. And it could even be just taking a screencast of how you schedule your email broadcast or taking a screencast of how you manage your inbox. Eventually, when you're ready to bring on that virtual assistant or that OBM to help you hire that virtual assistant and streamline those systems, you're going to have something to give them instead of being like, oh my God, I, I don't, yes, I thought about creating a screencast, but I didn't. And using something like Loom or what I've been actually using lately is a Vimeo for screencasts. Mm -hmm. It's just a great tool to be able to capture some of the things that you're doing anyways in your business. So you might feel crazy talking to your computer screen. I tell my, I was like, talk to your computer screen like it's your best friend, you know, and tell them what you're doing and how you're enjoying it. And what are the different sort of nuances and policies that you have in your business of why you're answering client care that way, or why you're processing a payment this way, or why you like to deliver your memberships the way you do. And that's going to help you to start to really document your system. So then an OBM could come on your team and really document them properly in a standard operating procedure template that can then exist as you scale and bring on other team members. Oh, that's gold. Cause we can, you know, my team will pull a transcript from that. We'll turn that into not only the written SOP, but we can screenshot that video oh. for all those pictures and then you can pull those things out that are going to be guidelines. You know, if this is mm -hmm. something you're talking about that applies to branding, we're going to pull that into a branding document. And then before you know it, you have things that you didn't even realize you had because you had that information within the videos. And that will save you time too when you bring someone on, you know, when you're talking about that extra three to five hours a week. Some of that is recording videos of the things that only you know how to do or that you want done in a certain way. And if you already have those done, those can be happening in the background and that'll just take things off your plate quicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think that's so true and such a nice thing. It's like a gift to give yourself to yes. be proactive, right? To get that business, like that's our main intention, right? To take the business out of reactionary mode. So when you can start to be proactive about hiring or at least sort of creating this nice little cozy place for that OBM to nestle into as they start to really dive, dive into your business, it can be very beneficial if you're scaling, but not really at that point where you have the revenue to legit bring on an OBM. Cause th the thing I tell most entrepreneurs is like, yes, you can benefit from project-based work with an OBM, but if you really want to take your business to the next level, you're looking at an ongoing retainer for a minimum of like three to six months really to get any kind of traction because it takes time to learn the business and to streamline and, and then, and then you can start to scale. Definitely. Let's talk about the relationship that the OBM has with the business owner and mm -hmm. how to find someone that is really a good fit for you because mm -hmm. there's, it's such an intimate relationship. I really feel like 
more so than some of the other hires that people make that are more task-based or it's like, I hand you this and you do that. I still think it's important to have team culture and values because obviously that's my- It's um, even more important. I think it's even more important on these virtual teams. Oh, I do too. A hundred percent. But when you bring on an OBM, I think we've already alluded to a little bit. They're showing the, all the parts of their business. And for Mm -hmm. some people, for most people, I'd say that's really vulnerable in and of itself. You might be offering feedback that, you know, how this is set up might not be the best way. It's just, there's a lot of trust that needs to happen, but also personality fit, because Mm -hmm. if there's not grace going both ways, if there's, if somebody loves to brain dump on Voxer and then the other person hates receiving communication that way, then it's going to start creating, you know, tension from the beginning. So how do you find someone that's a good fit for you and your business? Yeah, that's, that is really important. And this is such a, I'm I'm glad we're having this conversation because I, I think that I've been saying for years that I niche on personality, like specifically for this kind of reason. And I used to say many a times when I used to train OBMs, like I hire clients that I feel like I can go and like have a beer with and shoot the shit with, you know, but over the years, I feel like that has really evolved for me. And, and what I try to teach our students is that you really do have to take a leadership approach and really flex your emotional intelligence and have empathy for these clients. I can't tell you, Julie, how many OBMs will, you know, go through the training and then, you know, send me like a Voxer, which I'm the person who hates those long Voxers, by the way, (laughs) will send me a Voxer or whatever. I mean, I don't care. I, I don't care because I, I'm happy that people are communicating, communicate how you feel. But I find a lot of the times I will get approached by OBMs that are like, I did all the things and I sent a time report to her and I I let her know exactly where her retainer was and how rude is she to come back and ask me for like a minute by minute, you know, understanding of where I spent my time. And it's just, you know, they're very offended, personally offended. And I just try to really emphasize the fact that like, this is just business and nobody's personally attacking you. Like the client is asking where your hours went because she's never worked with an OBM before and is probably legit curious. And, you know, just because she's asking for that doesn't mean you need to give her what she's asking for. You can give her like a summary and you can give it exactly how you feel comfortable giving it. And you don't have to give exactly what someone's asking all the time, especially if it's outside of your boundaries and your, you know, your, cause we're all about boundaries and expectations around here, yes. but also really recognizing that we do have to empathize and we can't, we are in control of our behavior and our reactions. Like I had a, a wonderful OBM client for many years and towards the end of the relationship, when I felt really comfortable with her, cause we had been working closely, you know, you know how it goes like a partnership for all those years. I mentioned her leveraging a program that she had when I first came on and she was, and she had told me time and time again that she didn't want to, and she was really adamant about it. But I was looking at her numbers and I was looking at the metrics and I was like, well, I hear you from an emotional perspective and I, you know, I can understand where you're coming from, but I also feel that this program is a great first impression of your business for the potential new client that's just coming in the funnel that maybe isn't, you know, where you are right now because you've been doing this for 15 years, but just at a starting point. And she let loose on me. 
she was screaming at me. How could I say this to her for about like 10 minutes? Like I just, and I just, I didn't even say anything. Like I just let her scream at me. And I was literally, I I got off that call with her. And as you can imagine, I like went into like, you know, crunched up like fetal position, bawling my eyes out. And I felt terrible about it. But I also had to tell her how I felt. And I had to recognize that even though she was personally attacking me, it was like all coming from, you know, her insecurities of like not wanting to go back to where she was. And I, I had that, I mean, even though I cried about it, I still knew that it wasn't something, it wasn't really a personal attack on me. And she was just feeling really triggered by what I said to her. And this is the thing, you know, these entrepreneurs are she's very intelligent people that we work with. They are creative. They are aspirational. They are, you know, motivating other people to do amazing things. Like we also have to recognize that these are just people and, you know, for better or for worse, these clients don't always act appropriately. And we as online business managers have to just keep it together. So back to the question of, you know, how do you know what works for you? I really like my rule of thumb has always been, does the business's vision and mission resonate with me? And can I align myself with it? Like that's like my first like tick. Can I align myself with it? And then when I get on the discovery call with the client or the sales conversation, I'm thinking to myself, is this a client that I feel like I have what it takes to lead them? And this is a tricky piece because we are all leaders. Don't get me wrong. And especially if you're in the OBM space, like, you know, leadership is something like a muscle you're flexing like day after day, you're like at the gym flexing your leadership muscles. So you really have to be able, you have to feel on the discovery call that you have what it takes to lead the client. I think often when I've gotten on discovery calls and I've had this really high strung client that their hair is on fire and We have to be able to lead our clients. And on the discovery call, it does really become apparent whether or not you can lead the client based on, you know, them kind of, you know, taking the stage and asking all the questions. So if I feel that like I'm not able to get a word in edgewise or the respect really isn't there, then I'm not going to work with that kind of client. So it's like the vision and the mission. And then can I lead them? And then based on those two qualities, I then decide if the client is a really good fit for me because I, for years have said that I, I like working with different industries. I think that's one of the things that I really, I found appealing about being an OBM was it wasn't really mundane. And if I needed to like, you know, throw in that wrench and do something spicy, like I could work with a client from a completely different industry than I was perhaps used to. Like I literally had a client in Australia that was a fisherman that had a sport fisherman business that created a program to sell people on fishing for this very particular fish that only exists in Northern Australia. And this guy was making a killing in his business, but like, would I ever have niched myself as working with like the fishermen? (laughs) No, but I learned so much from him and from his wife and they were all micro marine biologists. So I, I do like working. So the thing is, I like working with the professional that's like transitioning to like different spaces. So it did kind of fit into my niche, but it was a professional like fisherman, you know, that's so, so I just cool. think it's, it was so interesting. It's one of the best things, even just getting on discovery calls with people and hearing about what types of businesses they've been able to create in the world. I just, I'm always like mind blown besides the fact that you're talking to people all over the world is just an added bonus. <sighs> 
I love that too. It is definitely one of the things that like, like lights me up and gets me all like enthusiastic and excited. So if I have that feeling with a client that I know I'm obsessed with their business and I can really get in there and I know I can manage it. I would definitely echo what you say in that as I've progressed in business, my questions that I ask people before they get on a call have become very dialed in into who I know is going to be a great fit. I spent a lot of time working with another business owner who just specifically helps people with their sales calls. And so I was able to take the strengths finders of all of my favorite clients and then look at those and, you know, tweak my questions. And so the questions when you're coming into somebody's business are, they're there for a reason and they really help you get dialed in on what a good fit is going to look like. And I would also say, typically for me, the people that I know would be a good fit for me to work with on retainer are a small percentage of the calls that I get in. It's so Mm. worth having a conversation because a lot of times I can share other entrepreneurs who I know would be an amazing fit for them. It's It's good karma. It's good karma. It's so good. And I don't feel like after having done this enough, you know, that it's, it's bad for everybody. If you get in a relationship, that's not a good fit. It's just, it, it's, it's just not good. And there's the right fit for them out there. So it's so funny that you say that. Cause I, I was like being really cheeky on a, on a conversation the other day. And I was like, you know, it's like losing your client virginity, you know, with, you know, when you're an OBM and you're getting that first client. So I'm like, you want to start with a dating project. You don't want to get into bed with that client right away. You want to, you want you and the client to make a micro commitment and come together. And we really, we're big advocates for the dating project before you get into the retainer as well. Cause I think it gives people who maybe haven't had the experience of working with an OBM, like a better understanding of what that could look like before you go kind of all the way with that OBM or with that client. But yeah, I mean, it's when you get jazzed up on a conversation with a client, like there's nothing more magical than that feeling. That is a high that you get on when you get off that call. And that's how, you know, in your gut, like I'm like, our intuition does not lie. Like, you know, you know, if the client's a good fit, like if you're not going to, if you're getting into a relationship where you know, off the bat, or you're coming at it from that place of scarcity or that mindset of fear. And so, oh my God, I have to take this client because I'm never going to get another client. Like you know, you're going to be in a really dark place at some point that you're going to have to get, it's going to take you time and energy to get out of that. And it's just not worth it. But also we have to live and learn, right? Yeah. I mean, I did that. I've done that. I've done that a few times, even like against my better judgment, I've done that. So I think it's also part of it. I totally agree. And I've had people say they wanted to work with me because I was not jumping straight into the deep end. Cause I said, I got on maybe a couple other calls and those people were like, yes, this sounds great. Let's start tomorrow. And I was like, "Mm, let's have a strategy session. Let's dig in a little bit more. You'll walk away with a really amazing plan. You can implement either way, but let's, let's go slow and see if this is a good fit. And they've come Mm -hmm. back and said, because you were more discerning, I felt like this was a more sincere connection and that you were really yes. interested in making sure that this is going to be a good fit for everybody. And oh, yes. it's, it's worked out in every, it, no matter what happens, it's in everybody's best interest. It is. An, it is. It so is. And, you know, in our agency, I, I even against, again, against my better judgment, I, for many years, didn't do the breakthrough strategy session, or I would do it like here and there, but what I found was it, it just makes such a huge difference to our bottom line as OBMs, like financially to 
Cause you know, I mean, if you bring on a client, that's not a great fit and you're like, Oh, let's, let's sign on to a three month retainer. And then you've locked that not great client in for, and you're saying goodbye to like all these great client fits for you. It can cost you money. And I think it's so important for the client also to have that little glimpse of what it's like to work with you without going all the way. I find that a lot of OBMs for better or for worse will give, or even just service-based support providers give too much away on the sales call, Mm -hmm. not get, not give too much away. That's not the right way to put it, but they give a little bit. It's like TMIs, like too much information, too much strategy, too much ideas, too much excitement, too much like, like energy. And, you know, even though the client might appear to be into it, you can be sure in the, if especially, cause we, we know our OBM clients in the back of their mind, they're thinking, Oh my God, how much is this going to cost me? Oh my God. Yes. That sounds good, but I'm not ready for that yet. But they're not going to say it to you because everyone's trying to save face, especially on a, you know, on that first date, right. When you yes. have that, that conversation. So I think it's just so important to like, from the get-go, from that sales call, keep the expectations where they need to be, the boundaries where they need to be, and be really clear about that initial dating project that you're going to sell the client into so that it really is beneficial to them, but also beneficial to you because you have that opportunity to really gauge, is this client a good partner for me? You know, is this a good fit for me? Yeah. I don't know. We've touched on this a little bit, but I'm wondering if you have just straight up thoughts about what would be a red flag on either side, perhaps. But if somebody's looking to hire an OBM and something happens, do you have those sort of black and white, like absolutely not, or this is a huge, you know, you need to take a step back and reevaluate? I mean, I don't know if I have an absolutely not because I feel like part of my mission in life is to find somebody that can help that person, even if, even if it's not me. But red flags to me are just sort of like, I mean, this it's like blatant disrespect. You know, if, if I'm having a conversation with a client and they're not letting me get a word in edgewise or they come in it, they come at you with like, you know, ber- berating you with like questions. I don't like that doesn't fly with me as somebody who kind of prides myself on taking the lead on these sales calls. If I feel like I can't get a word in edgewise or they're like grilling me like I'm at a interview for corporate. Like, I feel like I started to have like post-traumatic, like, you know, I'm like twitching about like, Oh God, what is this person doing? This is so not fun. This is, I don't want to ever have a conversation like this again. So that's a big red flag. Other big red flags that we've experienced in our agency are, I'm not even joking, Julie, like we had a cult try to work with us, a New York based cult that was actually published as a cult. Like in, I don't know if you're familiar with the publication Jezebel, but my lead OBM at the time, Emily did some research and she's like, look, Sarah, these people are really aggressive. I don't like aggression. Like I don't, that doesn't fly well. They're really aggressive. They, they are being really adamant about getting on a sales call. So she got on a sales call with them and was like, I don't have a good feeling about this. I don't really quite understand what their business model is, but when I look at it, it just feels really awkward. And they want us to create all these funnels for them that bring women into this thing. And I was like, Oh my gosh, hell no. So we actually block them on our CRM. We block yeah. them and they found, and they, you know, with another email address and another name connected to that cult again, contacted us and they were like, so adamant and aggressive. So that to me was like, it was like a crazy thing that was happening. I've yeah. also had another, the, so the third blaringly obvious red flag for me is I legit got on the call with this lovely, lovely human being that was, 
I'm not joking you. It was like, I want you to build my business for me and I don't want to be involved in it at all. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, you know, if building a business was that easy, like I'd have that business. I would take your idea for that business model and I would build that business. And that for the record was when I, I, I literally can remember I was where I like, I remembered where I was when we had that conversation. I remembered sitting on my balcony because I worked on my porch for many years and having that conversation when I was really like a junior OBM and I didn't really have boundaries. Like now I would never get on a, uh, well, actually I, it's not true. I, I do get on calls with a lot of people, but I would, I would see probably from the discovery call intake form that she wasn't really interested on in doing anything in her business and just sort of wanted to like throw money at a cause. And I was just like, no, this is a definitely like a partnership and a group effort. And if we're going to make this work, we need like all hands on deck. And if you're, you just want to give me some money and tell me to run with it. Like I've also got 20,000 bucks, you know, and if it was just about throwing 20,000 bucks at a business, it'd be one thing, but it's not, you know, so those are like my three big red flags, but I've just, I mean, over the years I've had such interesting conversations with people, but most of them, like even, even the ones with their hair on fire, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we always say like, oh, they're coming to the call and their hair is on fire. Like, why is their hair on fire? You know, I wouldn't necessarily engage with the fire, fire in the hair. You know, we're launching, we're going to launch tomorrow. We got to shake the money stick and get going. Like, I'm not going to engage with that, but I am going to try to like dig that, dig, dig into that and peel back some of those layers to get a better understanding of why they're at where they're at and say, Hey, you go and you do that launch. Let me stick over here with the systems and the operation stuff. Because I don't necessarily think that that's a huge red flag, especially if the client has the right kind of revenue coming in and the right other maybe team members on the team. You know, there's there's sort of like discretion that happens there as well. And if they're open to the feedback about that, because certainly somebody might not understand just what it takes for someone to come in and help with a launch, for example, and the runway that that really needs to to be. And so if they, I have too had people come on and say, I have a launch in, in a week or two weeks. And if they're willing to have a conversation that I'm not touching this launch, but Mm -hmm. we can start here and, you know, we could do this and they're open to that, then, you know, then that's a conversation. But if they're like, I needed to hire somebody yesterday, we're launching in five days. That's, you know, I can definitely give them feedback about it, but let's have a different conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Feedback. And then like, you know, quickly in that call. Yeah, totally. I, I just, yeah, there's a lot of there's just a lot of wonderful, wonderful entrepreneurs in this space and it continues to grow. And like you were saying, I'm still very, I don't, I don't think I, I, I'm not like really a visionary myself per se. Like, I mean, I do have a big vision around OBM school, but I'm not like a visionary at heart. I'm more of like a back end kind of like, let's get dirty and like, let's figure this, figure this out. But I just really admire these impact driven entrepreneurs that, you know, have a real clear vision and mission in life and then just like make it happen. Like I've had the privilege of working with so many fantastic people like OBMs and clients over the years. I just feel really grateful. I totally echo that. And now we get to talk about something really, really fun and exciting leading watermelon. Into- <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, we talked day. about that already at the beginning of the call. <laughs> 
If, for those of you that don't know, because I didn't know this, I have learned that Israel is a major exporter of watermelons. And mm-hmm. it is now my goal to go there and eat all of the watermelons. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, I'm going to like, in fact, I'm going to take you to the field and be like, Julie, pick what, pick all the watermelons <laughs> to your heart's desire. Just bring funny, me like, like a wagon. <laughs> now it's the end of now it's the end of watermelon season. And there are these barren fields with like the small watermelons that weren't picked because they're not exportable. And they bring the goats like from, you know, the various villages, like, like the herds of goats to like eat the old watermelons that are like literally rotting. <laughs> what a life. It's like Julie <laughs> wouldn't like that. That feels disrespectful. <laughs> I would be out there like at night. With every time bag. I see a watermelon, I think about you like every time. <laughs> Every time. As it should. If only they were easier to send in the mail. <laughs> I know, right? I literally. Juice. Watermelon order. juice. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to order watermelon one time from Florida. And for those of you that don't know, I'm in Alaska. And they called me and they're like, this is a really heavy box. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it? Did you order it though? No, or because at some point, like it doesn't make sense. a matter sense. of life and death. <laughs> it was uh, sometime in the winter and I was desperate for some watermelon. <laughs> I wonder how watermelon freezes, like if you juiced it and then froze it. I juice, like if I get one that's not good, I juice it all the time. Pro tip with like a quarter of a lime if you're juicing it, or you could just squeeze it in there and it's like nothing in the world. See, I was thinking a quarter lime and maybe a splash of vodka. (laughs) Even better. (laughs) What are we talking about here? Right. So let's talk about OBM school because um, to disclose, I am lucky enough to be a small part of one of the mentors. (laughs) You are our mentor. You are one of our mentors in the community. You are a huge part of this program. It's been such a joy. I think we've talked about how I started in this online space, becoming certified as a coach, and then sort of abandoned that business at the time, just not really knowing how to build a business in this space. And then coming back and thinking, well, it was experience, but I didn't know how that was going to translate. And between Mm -hmm. my clients and having that coach approach that you teach and now being able to show up as a mentor in this incredible community, it's it's just you're definitely feeding that need, you know, getting, getting that fix. Yeah. It was such a full circle moment. I have to say, Julie, having you in our community as that, you know, calm, assertive voice of reason and just showing the way to, especially women who are transitioning from like the VA space or the coaching space, I think you have so much value to give. And I just am so excited about OBM school because it's just a really awesome community for us to get together, put our, put our minds together and really get the lowdown on how to really build and scale a successful business as an online business manager. And it is such a passion of mine. So I'm just like, I'm so excited about this. I am so excited. So tell us when are you kicking off? What does it look like? All the details. We actually, I mean, at the time of recording, we are actually kicking off on Monday. So we are, I mean, you know, we are just sort of dotting our T's and crossing our I's at this point. And we have quite a few lovely humans who have signed up. So basically the program consists of three different tiers. And this was really intentional because I recognize that not everybody has 
all this time and energy to invest in becoming an OBM. You know, I was lucky enough to start my journey before I had kids, but I know that a lot of women coming into it, you know, already have kids or they're, you know, I was doing it from the side of my corporate, but they've got corporate and kids and all the responsibilities or just, you know, maybe you're working already in the online space. So you've got all the clients that are like, and they're not really necessarily good fit clients. So we have created the program. So that is, it is three different tiers and it is still the good old OBM accelerator foundational content where we are talking about things like mindset and the OBM skills and what those look like and how to really flex the muscles. We're looking at client onboarding and offboarding, your marketing and positioning, and so many different components in the core modules. So every tier has access to the core modules of what it means to train in OBM school. But then tier two has a little bit more support. And that support comes in the form of mentors, which is why it is such a privilege to have you in our community as, you know, just sort of the, the OBMs that are really on the, you know, on the, on, on the front, right. Practicing and working as online business managers. And then when we get into tier three, it's the certification tier where we are, you know, again, you guys are in there with the mentorship, but we also have a lot more added zhuzh, like we've got our, breakout sessions where we are diving into the actual practicality of being an OBM. Cause it's one thing to study the theory, you know, it's one thing to, or even to be in tier one, you know, and do it DIY and just study the theory on your own. It's another thing to have the opportunity to practice. And if there's one thing that I've known all these years of being an OBM, and one of the things I try to teach is that confidence really comes through doing it's one of our manifestos in OBM school. And in tier three, that's where students have an opportunity to kind of get down and dirty in the work of being an OBM and get feedback from, from there and have the support and accountability partners of other women that are actively doing this and to have the live coaching with me and that hot seat coaching. So tier three is really kind of a, I think, if I do say so myself, like the cream of the crop of OBM school. But again, we're all coming at it like, not everyone has time. And, and, you know, to be honest, I'm also a little bit of a lone wolf myself. So I tend to do things DIY to begin with, but we also give people incentives to really upgrade and step into some of our more supported communities. Cause you know, like you mentioned it before, there is nothing more powerful than our community. Absolutely. What did you call, what do you always call it? The, um, hive mind. What can hive I mind. I'm like, so good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Something that when people approach me about where they should go in this space, because I also think I identify as sort of a lone wolf, I do like to get in and dig around and figure things out for myself. But for something like launching a business as an OBM, I really wanted proven systems. I wanted to go in and from ABC know exactly what I was doing and just go further faster because mm-hmm. I certainly mm-hmm. could have spent a lot of time. Oh yeah. Out Good all two, the three things. years. Yeah. Go on that, go on that learning curve on your own. There's something, even the swipe files and the templates that you have in there. I still will go back and say, Oh, I know Sarah has a template for that. And it just gives you a place to start where you're not going to make it your own scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No tabula rosa here. You know, that's my humanities undergrad coming out, you know, like the blank slate. Yes. Like none of that. We don't need that. No, we're not reinventing the wheel. These systems are really most businesses have like the core five systems that we teach anyways in the program. And yeah, maybe they have something special, but 
it definitely can fall under one of those systems. So I love that. I love that you use those templates still because we do too. <laughs> We're like SOPs, another <laughs> SOP. You know, my team is like, their their like default is like, do we need an SOP for this? I'm like, of course we do. Of course we do. <laughs> and put it in the vault while you're at it. You know, it's the best. And that that's the cool thing is that as you guys have created more SOPs, that's also why I have to go back and check because where you know a few years ago there might not have been an SOP for it. When the vault gets updated, I'm like yeah. digging around in there and seeing. Like, and now it lives in Google yeah. Drive. Oh, there was a time where I think I had somebody on my team put every single SOP into my Google Drive because I was right. like, these are gold. I I want to have them at my fingertips, and it was so good. Yeah. I love SOPs. Yeah. And we have a, we have a download at saranoked.com forward slash SOP for anybody who like wants that SOP template. I'm all about the SOPs. Yeah. So tell us how somebody would start uh, learning about the OBM school. Where would you say, where would you send them to get more info? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. For those of you who are interested in learning more about OBM school, you can head on over to obmschool.com. There you will find a really awesome info session, more details about the, the various tiers and what comes in each tier and all of our you know wonderful resources and assets and the micro credentials. That was one thing I didn't talk about. You know, the the thing, the other defining factor of tier three is that we are leveraging micro credentials and we have partnered with Credly, which is an accredited platform which houses these online credentials from universities, from places like IBM, you know, who, who work these micro credentials with their employees. We have made it available to our OBMs to get micro credentialed in the six OBM skills and then to get their certification micro credential. And what's so unique about these micro credentials and something that like legit still blows my mind every day is there's like metadata on the back of these. So if you put it on your LinkedIn or your email signature or your website, a potential client can look and see, oh, so she's trained in project management. Well, what does that mean? Oh, she's had X, you know, she's had, she's completed projects. She's been on X amount of of lessons and and all of that good stuff. And that's going to show on the back end metadata of these micro credentials, which for people who are new to working with OBMs or looking for an online business manager that is not going anywhere, that's going to show them that you are here to stay and trust. Trust is a big, big part of that solid relationship with an OBM. So it really is. (laughs) And also we have this fantastic directory as part of OBM school. So our students in tier three have the opportunity once they've completed their certification to be listed on this amazing directory over at OBM school that is going to be the place where clients look. I mean, I've been in, I've been in this industry for the last decade. People ask me daily, you know, multiple times daily if I have an OBM for them, especially lately. I don't know if you've been getting a lot of client inquiries. Like, oh, it's like the end it's of It's so busy, right? right? Yeah. It's the end it's of so September. Busy. I was like, literally every day I have people sending and here in Israel too, where I'm located, which is not bizarre, but just really funny. Like there was a day where I literally had three copywriters. I feel like all my friends are copywriters. Yeah. Three <laughs> copywriters reach out to me, right? Uh, three of my copywriter friends randomly reach out to me, all being like, I have somebody that I just spoke to. They are desperate for an OBM. Can you recommend somebody in this time zone, in that time zone, in that? So we want to funnel people to our directory so that they can find 
solid OBM, if you have the experience and training needed to really help them get kick their business up to idea. So if you are looking for an OBM, you can head on over to obmschool.com forward slash directory to find a solid OBM. You'll see Julie over there as well, you know, to just really like kick your business up into high gear. I love something that just makes it easy, right? You can just go in, go to one place, dig around, see who you connect with, and then get on calls with them and just see what, what jives. Amen to that. Well, is there anything else that you would like to say to the entrepreneurs out there who are looking to hire OBMs? Or if you've heard this episode and you're super pumped about like thinking, this sounds like exactly what I've been looking for. Obviously all the links will be in the show notes, but what would be your parting words? Yeah. So I feel like for those clients who are looking to hire an OBM, if you are thinking, oh, this looks, sounds really good. I really invite you to engage with an OBM and really get on a discovery call and see what it's all about and see if that's a good fit for you. I find that too often, and I know Julie, you would agree with me, that people wait too long to hire and build their teams. And it's such a shame because yes, there are growing pains like we spoke about in today's episode that come along with building your business, but it really will pay off in the end. And for those of you who are thinking about leaving corporate, like you might be listening to your podcast, listening to this podcast while you're at your corporate desk or, you know, thinking to yourself, you know, do I have what it takes? Can I do this? Like, I would just invite you to just make a micro, a small commitment to taking one step in that direction, whether you are, you know, going to obmschool.com and signing up for a call with me to talk more about the program, or you start to think about, your plan to leave corporate so that you can start that business. I just feel like I waited too long and I see too many women wait too long and be afraid that they are going to fail at this. And the thing that I know now in retrospect is like, this is, there's nothing more natural than working in this job because it's really my natural talents that I get to help other people. And I get to have a flexible life, which is what I want for everybody. But then I do recognize that this isn't for everybody. Like I legit Julie forced my best friend to become an OBM. She's just not happy in her job. And I was like, you got to do this. It's great. You're going to love it. I'll give you a million clients. I'll take you under my wing. And I did for three months. And she, by the end of it was like, I just, it's not for me. I mean, she's just, it wasn't for her. She didn't, she didn't really like want to do it. Um, So I know it's not for everybody, but if you are listening and you're like, "Mm, this sounds really appealing. I want to learn more Then give yourself the benefit and just dig into it. And, you know, we've got tons of resources for you and the info session is great. And there's a lot of templates and stuff for you to really get started. And, and just to know that you can do this, you do have what it takes. Like we're just normal people, Julie, like, and we've made successful businesses for ourselves. And my quality of life is incredible because I get to have flexibility like you're going to do today and go and hang out with my kids. Like I was literally this summer, I went on every single field trip with my kids every single one. And I just felt like, wow, I'm, I feel like I'm really winning. Like, cause that's how I define my success as being able to be available to my kids and not feel guilty all the time. (laughs) You know, I don't want to feel guilty about not being able to make something because I have some other obligation. Like, so, but you still have this thing for yourself. That's that you're passionate about. And so you can really show up being really happy 
in yourself before, and then you bring that to the kids and they see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. My daughter loves watching my YouTube videos. She's like, oh my God, Shishi, our cat. She's like, Shishi was in our YouTube video because we try to like vlog it a little bit. <laughs> I, like, I love your new YouTube videos. If somebody has, oh my God, they're out, so funny. <laughs> they're they're so really funny. good. I, I'm so nosy. We talked about this, but I'm like, I want to see how you're making your coffee. Like, yeah. You how just... I make my green smoothies. Like yes. everyone's like, give me that recipe. I'm like, the secret's coconut flakes. Mm. Coconut flakes make everything taste better. Yeah. And probably like creamy and mm-hmm. all right. Oh, yeah. Next career, smoothie influencer. I know. smooth. Actually, you know what? I had a client who was a nutritionist for many years. Again, not really following into my niche, but was the professional transitioning. And she just had these bomb smoothie recipes and she got me hooked way back when. So there you go. Well, I love that advice. And I have found through launching this podcast, even in this last week, we just launched this week in, in real life. So many people approach me that have been wanting to build a business or start a business and they just haven't yet for whatever reason. And so I think your advice translates all arenas where somebody might be thinking about starting a business and it might not be the OBM school that might not Mm. be the direction they're going in now, but just really taking those first steps is so powerful and it creates a momentum to create the life that you've been really dreaming of. You can do this. You got this. So yes, there's nothing. I joke that I literally started my business on a YouTube and Google search. Like there's, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. YouTube and Google search is like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I learned how to put pins on Pinterest. You know, you can learn mm-hmm. anything. So I know I'm like, everyone like, they're like, oh, tech freaks me out. I'm like, but there's a YouTube video for everything. What's the big deal? You know, everything. Well, Sarah, I cannot tell you how much fun this has been to hang out. The only thing that would have made it better is if we were digging into some watermelon. <laughs> I know. I was like, I had the same thought in my mind. You are awesome, Julie. And I'm excited for you. I think this podcast is amazing. And ooh, I'm excited to listen to all your future guests. Yay. Thank you, Sarah. Well, we will see you inside of OBM school and check out the show notes for all the things Sarah talked about, the links to the different freebies that she's provided for you guys. Thank you, Sarah, so much. Thanks, Julie. Well, that was such a blast. I think you guys could tell that Sarah is just an incredible wealth of information, not only about OBMs, but in the online business space in general. And I can't wait to hear what your favorite takeaways from this episode are. I'd also like to say, if you would love to support the podcast, one of the greatest things you could do is to rate and review the show on iTunes. That really helps in the search and gets the show to more people's ears. So if you have time to do that, I would be really, really grateful. Hope you guys have a great day. 